Welcome to Support After Abortions podcast. My name is Nathan Masirian, and I'll be hosting a dedicated series called Men Healing from Trauma. In our culture, men are not validated who've experienced trauma through miscarriage, pregnancy loss, or even abortion. Through this series, you'll hear firsthand experiences. You'll also hear from clergy, clinicians, and experts in the field of healing to provide practical ways that both men and women can heal from the impact of abortion. Thank you so much for joining the Support After Abortion, Helping Men Heal from the Impacts of Abortion. Today, our guest is Greg Hasek, an experienced clinician who has spent more than 25 years in a clinical practice helping men walk through the healing journey that's uh, so significant in their lives. Today's topic is really focused on how does healing programs need to look differently? This is more, Greg, than just changing a book cover or simply changing a pronoun, but we're going to unpack in today's episode how men grieve and deal with trauma differently than women. So, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here, Nathan. I'm excited about this topic because it's a very relevant topic in terms of how can we do a better job in reaching men who have been wounded by abortion if we only have cur curriculum and programs out there that were developed specifically for women. We're sending the message really to the men out there that we don't have programs for you and we don't have programs or curriculum developed that specifically um, help or address how men are different than women in terms of how they deal with grief and loss or how they actually deal with the trauma of abortion in a different way than a woman would. So I think this is very critical to talk about today. So thanks for letting me be on this journey with you, Greg, and to our audience. Um, my role today is just to guide the conversation. So Greg, why don't we just start with the, the ways you've seen men grieve and deal with trauma differently than women? Can you walk us through some specific differences? Yeah. Then we'll speak about the curriculum. Okay, Nathan, I want to start off with a little bit of a story in terms of creating a context. So years ago, if you remember, there was a tsunami that hit, that hit Asia. Um, in that tsunami, they sent psychologists over there to see how um, the people of uh, Indonesia at the time were dealing with the loss of specifically their children that had died in the tsunami. So they sent a psychologist out through the countryside to meet with the, the people of, of Indonesia. And what they found was they found women um, sitting on the beaches together in support groups, looking at each other, crying about the loss of their children from the tsunami. They couldn't find the men in those groups. And so they went looking for men and they found the men throughout the countryside of the um, area around where the tsunami hit. And they asked the men this question, why aren't you down on the beach supporting the wives or crying because of the loss of your children? It was interesting. What they found was the response from the men were, I don't have time to sit and talk about our feelings or the loss of our children. I have to rebuild our homes. I have to gather wood. I have to mm -hmm. do those things that are action oriented in order to process and help heal in the way that, that men are wired versus mm. traditionally more like how women are. So when we talk about that example, that's a perfect example of 
how to reach men differently because men are not going to deal with the loss of their children the same way that women are. So we have to develop curriculum and programs that are specifically for how men grieve differently. So let's and just take a let's just take that. a short example. So so often we have heard, and, and you've been in the pro-life movement for a very long time, churches and organizations might put up a poster, a flyer, an email that says uh, a group for men, or they may even say men and women come together for a healing group. And, uh, and I've heard the men never show up. Where are the men? And continue to, to hear that story. So in your example, Greg, and today, where, where are the men? Are they, are they at work? Are they um, uh, in a different format, uh, sharing their story with others? Where do you find men are trying to deal with things in our society today? Yeah. Well, what's interesting, if you look at how men talk about any issue, oftentimes it's you got two men walking down the golf course and talking about some specific topic side by side. They're not sitting across from each other on the golf course, looking at each other and their eyes and talking about something very vulnerable. Men, men are wired because of their testosterone they see it as a challenge, almost like, a, almost like something that's an animal instinct, looking at each other across the group in a very vulnerable way, talking about trauma. They're more likely to be able to do it in a way that's like two guys walking down the golf course saying, wow, I'm struggling with the loss of my dad, or I'm struggling with the loss of my child. Hmm. So we need to think about that. We need to think about, we can't put guys just in a group to look at each other and share their feelings when men necessarily are not gonna feel comfortable with that, they're more likely to feel comfortable if they're doing something, if they're active, if they're sharing with each other more individually, um, if it's more um, focused on their thinking versus their feelings. So men tend to like think more about their um, grief than sh actually share their feelings about their grief. Um, and so it, it needs to be more action-oriented programs. So in terms of curriculum, we need to create curriculum that is um, focused on not only how men grieve differently, but then how can we create more programs that are more active-oriented programs? So let's just explore that together. Let's take the thinking side of, of it. Uh, a man who's, ex who's experienced abortion, uh, maybe reproductive loss, a broader topic that's used, uh, thinking about miscarriage or other sort of um, uh, very traumatic experiences. What are some ways that men, quote, think about the loss? What are they, what are they thinking about? And they reflect yeah. on it. Like if you ask a man, how do they feel about the loss of their child? Oftentimes they will go to a thought well, I, I, I miss the idea of um, if, if I would have had this child right now, we'd be playing football together. Mm -hmm. We would play catch together. Mm -hmm. We would go to baseball games together. Mm -hmm. This is how men think. They don't connect with the actual loss of the child because of the actual physical abortion, because that's the, the, the woman carries the child within them. The male doesn't men tend to connect to babies to infants when they actually start to do something with them so there's so a changing the diaper for example exactly. or holding the baby before it goes to sleep a physical activity is the bond for a man exactly so that connecting point of feeling the loss of their child hmm. 
comes from the, the loss of the role that they would have had as a father in, in, in the, what they would have been doing with that child. Hmm. And so we have to create programs that look at, okay, you know, really what you're grieving is that role that you lost versus the actual baby within the inside the, the mother's womb. So, mm. so women's programs and men's programs have to look different to take that into account. So what um, I'm thinking about how a man can get in touch with his emotions. And when you've talked about abortion breaks the <clears throat> opportunity for a man and a woman to bond with that child, that that is that's been taken away in your practice. How do you help men connect on the emotional side, not to take away from the thinking side, but there is some healing that needs to happen on the emotional side. How do you, what advice would you give, or what are some ways that you can help our audience help men or men who are listening and watching connect on the emotion side of grief and loss? That's a very good question, Nathan. Um, when I, when I'm working with men, uh, there's a, there's a kind of a, a line that I oftentimes use is you have to feel first to be able to heal. Hmm. And so what that means is when men come into the counseling office, say the presenting problem is a sexual addiction, for example, they don't know that maybe that sexual addiction was, was uh, a, the result of maybe a previous trauma. And one of those previous traumas could have been abortion trauma they haven't dealt with. What we have to do is we have to start to work with the presenting problem first, which would be the addiction, and then slowly get them to the point where they can start to feel again. See, remember when, when a person goes through trauma, they oftentimes are numbed in their mm -hmm. feelings. So you got, you got the trauma that's creating the problem of being numb, but you also have a culture that says mm -hmm. men shouldn't hurt, men shouldn't cry, men shouldn't show weakness. So it's trying to come against that culture and the gender conditioning at the same time, break down that numbness from the trauma mm. and to, to get the man to the point where he can begin to feel the reality of the loss of his child. Now, remember that if, if the presenting problem was, say, a sexual addiction, they're numbing through that addictive behavior, their pain. Mm. Mm. So now you stop the addiction. Mm. And what's amazing is what they now have uh, suppressed from their addiction, those emotions start to come to the surface as they get sober. Mm. Now, once they're sober long enough, they're ripe for that opportunity to, for them to start to feel the loss of their child. Mm. And that's where that feeling starts to mm. come from the male. So as I think about this topic about how programs need to be different for men versus women, what I'm hearing you say is that the quote standard program that starts with a, a small group experience in somebody's living room or even a group that's done on video conference, a man act, most men are not ready for that immediate heartfelt feeling led session because they may be numbing the issue with other addictions, other issues are at stake. They're almost unable to make the connection. Could they physically show up? Yes but not able to connect at the heart level. So what I'm hearing you say is that programs need to first deal with men at the cognitive level, processing various pieces, being active. Um, you've referenced Wild at Heart in some of our uh, previous conversations, a book that was written. Do you wanna bring that in as another example for our audience who may not have really studied well how men work differently, think differently? 
Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'll share first before I share about Wild at Heart is oftentimes when I'm working with a man and I can tell they're not connecting emotionally, I will bring video into the counseling session. Hmm. Video oftentimes with music. Now, the reason I do that is video and music connect with part of the right brain where a male's trauma is stored. And what I can do with that is, like if, say I show a video of uh, regarding abortion loss that's male focused, the, the defense mechanisms come down from that male hmm. because what's happening is the, the video and the music cause the, the right brain and the left brain to integrate and the male starts to feel the emotions as they're watching the video. And then they start to have tears down their face. Mm. There's no way I would have ever gotten to that point of just talking about mm. the abortion. Now, mm. you've heard guys say this before. And I don't cry, except when I go to a movie theater. And then I see a movie and a tear mm. starts coming. That's because there's a way of integrating right and left brain through other means, not just talking. Mm. So if we're going to talk about men in abortion and, and how do we create programs differently, we need to start looking at these, these creative ways, mm. whether it's technology, video, music. So that's one thing. Now, with regarding something like Wild at Heart, what John Eldridge found years ago was men tended to connect more with some of these emotional issues by being active and so they created like programs that were outdoor programs they were like um, boot camps for men and what they found was men were more likely to talk about their past trauma with other guys while they're out in the woods on a ropes course for example mm -hmm. because it breaks down the defenses of the male mm -hmm. Versus if you sit a guy across the room and think they're going to be just like a female looking at each other and smiling and sharing their feelings, we got to stop that. <laughs> if we're going to have successful programs, we've got to use what we've learned over these years mm. of how guys are different than women mm. and pull together the resources and create programs that work. And I really think, Nathan, if we can do that, we're going to have more men coming forward. Mm. I I'm excited and challenged by that. At Support After Abortion, we are developing brand new curriculum with input and experts from folks like Greg designed to help men heal, not just rebrand something that was done, but truly designed to get to both the heart and the mind of a man to help him heal through the traumatic and um, painful experiences that when they've experienced loss, sexual abuse, other things that have happened that are, are really quite fundamental. Greg, I want to just segue to something that you've spoken about at our previous conference in 2021. It's really about the, the left and right brain and how trauma impacts the decision-making process. You've referenced it just today in this conversation about how music and video does a connection. But can you just give us an introduction to the audience about what happens in the left and right brain with trauma and how does that impact um, thinking? And we can't think clearly. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I said in the conference um, was that oftentimes when a male presents with an abortion in his history, that's not the only trauma they've experienced. Mm -hmm. You know, based on statistics, one out of five males by the age of 18 have experienced sexual abuse. There's high rates of physical abuse as, as men, as, as boys, as children experience. 
domestic violence, the, the, the rate of divorce, all these different traumas impact that presenting issue in terms of being able to connect with the, the, the actual experience of that abortion loss, for example. If you have previous trauma, the right brain and the left brain are not able to kind of integrate because a lot of those traumas have caused the male to kind of cut off from being able to feel the actual experience of the, the loss of their child, for mm -hmm. example. And so what has to happen sometimes is we have to look at those other traumas and deal with some of those other traumas at the same time. Um, the other thing that's very powerful is when a man, when that woman comes to that man and says, I'm pregnant for that first time, and the guy goes into it, what's called a crisis mode or a trauma mode at that point of hearing that, that, that word for the first time that I'm pregnant from a spouse. Oftentimes, if that male has had previous trauma prior to the trauma of that, that, that word from his partner, um, the previous trauma impacts that moment of their decision. So oftentimes mm -hmm. what happens is they go into a fight or flight response they're either going to flight, which is they're going to move away from their partner, and then, then their spouse feels abandoned in the abortion decision, or they're going to fight with their partner over what to do about that, that crisis pregnancy. Oftentimes what happens, that previous trauma causes the male to detach from the female, and the female feels all alone to make the abortion decision by herself. Hmm. Now, a lot of healing programs do not take into account how men in that moment who've had previous trauma as children, they don't take into account how that impacted, how that male responded to the crisis pregnancy. Hmm. What I have found is it's probably the number one um, powerful way for women to actually forgive their partner in that crisis pregnancy and feeling abandoned in the abortion decision when they can look at their partner and go, okay, my partner had previous trauma as a child. It impacted his decision-making process at the, at the point of the crisis pregnancy. Now I can look at my partner through grace and understanding mm. that they didn't necessarily abandon me on purpose, mm. but they were already detached from their childhood trauma. Mm. You talk about a powerful mm. uh, movement of forgiveness that mm. women, once they realize that he didn't hurt me on purpose, he didn't abandon me on purpose. Mm. He had childhood trauma that mm. impacted his fight or flight response when I when they were told that that their partner was pregnant. Mm. It's so powerful, uh, Greg. I'd love to just stay in this moment with you. One of the things that you shared in your practice is that there is um. Uh, there is a method of having a letter written um, by the woman forgiving the man. Can you just speak to the power that that does in, as part of your practice? Oh, yeah. Illustrating healing? Yeah. So one of the models is, um, that I use for forgiveness is called the REACH model. It's an acronym. But the E of the acronym of REACH is what's called empathy. Okay. So and actually the R of the REACH is recall the hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens is is I have the woman and the man sit down and the woman writes with the R, she recalls the hurt of the abortion. 
this is how you hurt me, you abandoned me, you coerced me at the abortion clinic, whatever that R is, they recall the hurt. And the man sits there and hears that from the woman. When they get to the E, the E stands for empathy. The woman actually has the experience to write a letter to her partner, empathetically understanding why that male got to that place where he either coerced or abandoned her or, or was acquiesced and just wasn't there for her. She writes that letter of empathy based upon her understanding of his previous trauma as a child. And the man oftentimes starts to cry. And the woman oftentimes in that powerful moment, they experience the power of grace and forgiveness in a new way that they never have. Because mm -hmm. what they do in that very moment, Nathan, is they're able to reframe their partner and mm. how they see him. Wow. He didn't do it on purpose. He had previous trauma. Wow. Maybe he didn't have a dad. Mm. Maybe, maybe he was abused. Now I see him differently. And then mm. the forgiveness process is so much more powerful. And I, I think that needs to be talked about more. Mm. This is just one of many ideas that support after abortion gets the opportunity to hear from experts from all around the country. Greg, thank you so much for being on today's broadcast. If you've been impacted by abortion, we want you to know that you can reach out to Support After Abortion confidentially. You can visit our website at supportafterabortion.com or call uh, confidentially with the phone number listed there. We are here to help you, and you are not alone in what you've experienced. Uh, men who've experienced trauma is real, and there is a hope and a healing path. Greg, you've been so helpful to showcase that today. We invite you back to our future episodes and we look forward to being uh, with you in the healing process. Thank you for participating in today's broadcast. If you or someone you know has been impacted by abortion, we are here to help and you are not alone. Our trained staff will meet you with compassion and confidentiality simply by visiting us at supportafterabortion.com there you'll find a confidential phone number and contact us, in which our staff are standing by, ready to help you and be of assistance.